Welcome. I am Morgan Heath Powers. And I'm Nikhil Nambury. Welcome to Real College Talk, your destination for honest and relevant college and post-secondary conversation. Our mission is to deliver to you real advice and true stories to help your post-graduation decision be completely your own. And here to share how she made her post-graduation decision completely her own is Lily Sethry Brink from uh, the Austin, Texas area. Lily, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. Um, so Lily is a senior from Austin, and um, she can tell, tell us a little bit more about herself. Right. So actually, I'm from Dripping Springs, Texas, which is outside of Austin. Uh, I live on a ranch. It's about 18 acres. We have three horses, four cats, and four dogs. So a lot of animals. It's a bit of a zoo. Um, but I didn't actually grow up in Texas. So I grew up in Minnesota, uh, just outside the Twin Cities, in a really small town called Minatrista. And then when I was, I think, 13, I moved to Melbourne, Florida. Went to three different schools there. And then I moved again to Dripping Springs, Texas, uh, which, again, is outside of Austin. I ride horses, played lacrosse. I was very involved in theater when I was younger. Uh, I did DECA. I was actually a state officer, which is from Texas, which is how I know Nikhil and Morgan. Uh, yeah, it's got to represent DECA always. Uh, if you're not in it, I recommend you join it. And then I also am involved in Amnesty International, which is my passion, human rights. Um, it's what I hope to do in the future by being an immigration lawyer and hopefully eventually running for public office. So, so yeah, it's a little bit more. Awesome. And Lily, if you could, you know, kind of, so people know what's coming, where, what are you up to this next year? You're about to graduate. Where, where will you be heading? So I'll be going to Rice University to study political science and economics. And then this summer, I also have an internship at a law firm that's fighting the opioid crisis. Wow. And I also interned for a tech startup called Entry. I run their social media. They create hybrid resumes that get you through the applicant tracking system. So that's pretty cool. And I'll also be continuing riding this summer. So, yeah, I'm very excited. This so, is so awesome. This is so cool. Lily, we are so excited to have you on. Again, we know Lily through DECA, and she is just someone who inspires so many people through that organization and far beyond. Um, Lily, I would love for you to share a little bit about your high school experience. What was it like to move from school to school and, and kind of build your roots in Texas as you were launching into this college application process? So it was really difficult. So I first moved when I was in eighth grade, and I think it's a lot harder actually to move when you're in middle school than in high school because you have to kind of start from the bottom. And in middle school, the cliques, I would say, are even more concentrated, more clicky, I guess you could say. Um, so I think and then moving again and again, especially from, you know, Minnesota to Florida to Texas, there's a lot of different culture shocks that happened. And also just continually moving schools, you always have to be alert when you're a new kid, right? Because you don't want to be seen as, as weird or you don't want to be kicked out of like any friend group because someone like said something about you or, or spread a rumor, which did happen, by the way, it's very unpleasant, don't recommend. Um, so, you know, you have to learn to be incredibly careful in how you present yourself, which a lot of the times can kind of lead to a loss of self which is something that I definitely experienced. And I don't really think I, I kind of refound who I was, you know, without trying to impress people or, you know, get them to like me until I really was going into my soft, end of my sophomore year of high school when I was in Texas. Because it, it took so long to, once I had a solid friend group, to be like, oh, like, I can be myself now, right? So, because when you move a lot, it, it's hard to find that because you don't want to be kicked out. Because when I lived in Minnesota, I was like, you know, I don't care. I'm just going to be myself. If you don't like me, then screw you, <laughs> right? But when you move, that 
strategy does not work. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I really had to kind of refigure that out. Which, but I'm really glad that I actually went through the whole moving process because I think there's a lot of opportunities that I wouldn't have had if, if I wouldn't have gone through that. And it was definitely difficult at some point, especially if my parents switching jobs a lot and kind of that instability, un- instability, excuse me, uh, kind of always being a cloud over your head, I guess you could say. But at the end of the day, I think I definitely learned a lot from it. And it definitely helped me develop some networking skills, for sure. Very cool. Very cool. Um, can you talk a little bit about what what were some of the things that, that you know, you were able to invest your time in in high school, especially hopping around so much and trying to, you know, high school is all about kind of figuring yourself out. And many of us go off to college not really knowing what our passion is. Um, you talk a lot about Amnesty International, and I would love for you to explain, you know, like how did you kind of find your your niche? Like how did you find your group of people? How did you find your passions? Um, and 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 if you could pass that advice on to others, like how would you encourage them to explore things in high school? Right. So when I started off high school, I was mainly focused on theater. That's what I wanted to do with my life. I wanted to be on Broadway. That was my end goal. And I also have been riding horses since I was about five years old. So I did that as well. And I just kind of ended up following into what I would consider is the high school algorithm, right? We kind of all becomes cogs in the machine. I'm focusing on either sports, band, academics, theater, uh, choir, right? Those are kind of the main things that, that you do in high school and everybody just kind of ends up falling into one of those categories. And in a lot of ways, you kind of end up having to sell your soul to the organization, right? Uh, you have to be at all the practices and it makes it very hard to do anything else, to really get involved with your community or something that might be more outside your comfort zone or just getting you to, to think differently. And yeah. so at the beginning of my, my high school career, I honestly just kind of fell into that mindset. You know, I got really involved with the theater programs Uh, I was playing lacrosse and playing since I was in seventh grade and I rode horses and focused on school. And that's basically all that I did. Right. I was just going along the same track that everyone else was just in in that, in that same mindset, you know, get good grades, make the varsity team. Right. This is, this is what high school is supposed to be. I'm doing it right. This is great. Um, But then kind of going into my sophomore year, especially when I moved to Texas, um, I, I kind of was still doing that, but I realized, you know, maybe this isn't exactly what I want, right? You know, I didn't quite feel at home in the, the in the Dripping Springs Theater Department. Um, I felt a little bit ostracized, and it was really an unpleasant experience, and it kind of made pushed theater away from me so much, not because I didn't love performing, but because I didn't feel a part of it, um, which was, it was just difficult in that sense. Um, and then with, you know, like the lacrosse team as well, uh, because I was, I guess, one of the smart kids, most of the people on the lacrosse team didn't um, didn't focus on that. So that I was kind of always like, you know, we're not going to invite her to the party because she'll snitch. Right. Um, and so I just was kind of like, okay, well, I mean, I have friends in like different areas. You know, I, ha- I had a friend group, but they weren't necessarily involved in what I was involved in. Then I was like, well, you know, why am I still doing these things if they're, if they're not making me feel happy. Right. And then my mom, of course, is like, you should join Duncan. I was like, okay, hey, YOLO. Um, yeah. And then so I ended up really loving it. And I think at the state conference, my sophomore year in February was really where it all turned around. Uh, cause I saw the state officers on the stage. Uh, I believe at the time it was Brittany, Maggie, Hayden, and Tyler. And, and they just gave us this message of empowerment, right? That, that anybody could do what they were doing if they applied themselves enough to it, which I really think is what DECA is all about, right? It's not just about business, it's about empowerment. And I think that's really where I found that spark to think, okay, you know what, I can, I can do more, I can go farther, I, I can step outside of this high school algorithm, right? Like I don't just have to focus on sports, it doesn't just have to be theater, I, I can do more than that. 
And so I think that's really where I, I started that process. And then going into my junior year of high school, I decided to join debate, right? Because I'd always been a bit of an arguer, as my parents will tell you, and probably most of my friends. And so I was like, well, I might as well put this to good use and see what happens. I had an extra elective series. So I was like, okay, let's do it. Um, and I actually ended up really finding a home within debate. I found people who were interested in the world around them and wanted to talk about more academic things, you know, wanted to talk about philosophy and theology and different ideologies, right, and what was going on in the world. And then through that, I think I really found a larger part of who I was, and I found that I liked debating. I, I liked the intensity of it. I liked learning. Um, but more so, I, I realized what was happening in the world. Because before, I had kind of been a bit of a bubble. I would say kind of ignorance just because I didn't have to know about it. But, you know, then you find out, you know, you know, people who are gay are getting stoned in Chechnya, right? There was recently a genocide in Myanmar that, you know, the people there are, are still reeling from. And it, right now in China, the uh, I think it's pronounced Uyghur Muslims are being put in concentration camps, right? Simply because they're Muslim and a lot of people go missing and they're never heard from again. Just all of these are like extremely terrible things. And I just remember finding out about it and I was just like, wow, like how does nobody, how does nobody talk about this, right? How, how do... How do, why do we not hear about it? And then, and then I thought, you know, I can't, I can't just sit here and do nothing. I can't just be, you know, a part of this force of ignorance. It's just like, oh yeah, that's fine. You can let them be killed. <laughs> right. And then so I was like, no, I, I need to do something. Like, I don't care what it is. But I'm going to get involved. I'm, I'm going to find something. Right. So then I was in my APUSH class and then this work about Amnesty International. It was the vocab word actually. And so I was like, hmm, well, this sounds interesting because I had been looking for an organization to get involved with. But most of the ones that I had looked at, you know, they just wanted you to donate money. And I was like, well, can't contribute in that way. But then Amnesty was like, you can start your own group. You can protest, get those banners out, get those letters written. And I was like, done. <laughs> and then so I went to my high school administration, and I was able to start a human rights organization with, within Dripping Springs, uh, which was a little bit of a risk because uh, Dripping Springs is more on the conservative side, right? So I, I can't tell you. It's a lot of times where I've explained to people, you know, maybe you shouldn't use the word tranny, for example. Sometimes they're just like, no, I'm going to keep saying it. I'm like, oh, probably shouldn't, but okay. Uh, right? And so we were able to do a lot of good work that way, and I found myself really invigorated by it. And then I decided to apply to be on the National Youth Leadership Team for Amnesty International. I actually got on it, which was an amazing experience to be able to develop strategy, um, implement projects already. I think more so in meeting the other people that were on it. You know, I met, I met a girl from Louisiana whose uncle had, had been killed by violence and whose father had suffered injuries from it. And I met, you know, an immigrant from Uzbekistan where girls weren't supposed to go to school past seventh grade, right? And, and I just had all these, these experiences like, told to me and I, it made it so much more real, right? What, what you're fighting for and, and what I cared about and that these things mattered not only in a personal sense, but in an external sense, right? That people were suffering from it right now. I think that's really the moment where I decided, okay, this is it, exactly what I want to keep in my life to. I want to do as much as I, I possibly can uh, for human rights within my own sphere. And then after that, that pretty much fueled the rest of my high school career um, and pretty much all the way through my senior year. And I, I did still did debate too, and I still did that again, had a great time with those. But I think my main focus became uh, placed around amnesty and you know, trying to do what I could to help the refugee crisis and, and raise awareness for it. Um, and then trying to continue that uh, well into my college career. And then during this time, I also worked on a couple of campaigns um, in the 2018 elections as well, and had a really great time doing some internships there um, and really focusing on trying to help the public in, in any way that I could. And so, yeah, I mean, that's basically how I found who I was um, and, and the, my passion around that and really wanting to pursue that going forward. It's a lot of... Sorry, that's a bit of a mouthful. <laughs> 
Yeah, um, I'm sure anyone can tell that Lily's a very active person and <laughs> um, she's very involved in a lot of things. And I'm sure going into the college application process where being involved and participating in activities that you're clearly very passionate about are, are so uh, important. How was your college application process like? Uh, put, writing out your essays, filling out the Common App, those kind of things. How did those go? I think at first I was just kind of overwhelmed because I I felt like I had so much to say, and I was like, how am I? How can I condense this? You know, how can I show somebody who I am in just one essay? Especially because in in my experience, it had changed so much over the four years, and you know, it's hard if you look at my activities. You're like, wow, she's she's a little crazy, right? Uh, doing so many things in Fountain all over the place and having all these changes. And I wanted to articulate that it was a journey, right? How I had found myself and why I had done all these different things. And I think also I was still finding who I was, right? And who, and who I wanted to be. I mean, not just on a professional level, but, but on a personal level, especially because I had struggled so much in, in, you know, creating and keeping friendships just from moving so much and, you know, being authentic. I think it was a difficult process in that sense. But I think writing the essays and being forced to really be introspective with myself uh, helped me reflect to the point where I think I knew more of who I was. And I think really talking to people, having other people read your essays is really helpful. Uh, writing a lot of drafts of them. I think I wrote seven or eight drafts of my Common App essay. So quite a few. And really just giving yourself time to think about it. Because I think there were some other applications for me that were a little bit rushed. That probably would have been better if I would have kind of taken a bit of a breath with it, um, which is, I'm sure, something a lot of people will probably say about the college application process. But I think the thing for me that stuck out the most is it became a bit of a, a coping mechanism for me, uh, especially in my time. Like I said, it, it's, it's pretty conservative. People aren't necessarily the most accepting of different beliefs. And so when I found myself getting frustrated with that, I would fall back on this idea like, oh, my applications now, I'm going to get into Brown and Harvard and I'll like peace out <laughs> next year and it'll be great. And I'll be doing off doing all these great things because, you know, like, I can do better than this and I won't have to be suffocated anymore. Right. Um, and so I think I started to kind of get an unhealthy attachment to it through that process as well, which I, I really wasn't mindful enough going into it. Lily, I want to call you out because you're special. You're different in that you know what you're passionate about. Like you found a thing or you picked a thing and you took that leap of faith to, um, to start this, this chapter of this local organization of Amnesty International. And like, that is incredible. Uh, and so I just want to like stop and commend you for that. Um, and also yeah. just send a word out to anyone listening is that um, many of us, you know, we go through high school and we don't know what really lights us up, right? We don't, we maybe struggle a little bit longer to find those things that make us passionate. But I would say if you can learn anything from Lily's experiences that Lily, you tried so many things. And then when you found that thing that sounded interesting to you, you didn't let the fact that that local organization wasn't there yet. You didn't let that hold you back. Um, and so I hope that anyone listening, like if you have, if you have an idea in the back of your mind, if you have something that's weighing on your heart that you want to start, that's important to you start it right like you were how old were you then were you a sophomore or junior when you began that I think I was I was 17 when I started the chapter of Amnesty International High School and also just uh, one thing like going off of what you said 
And kind of what I said in the beginning is that high school puts you into an algorithm. You become a cog of a machine, right? Just doing everything that's already there, especially, you know, in Texas and in the South in general, right? FNL, Friday Night Lights, that whole culture. It's very hard not to get caught up in that. And I think I didn't realize that really until the end of my junior year, you know, debating with Amnesty where I was like, I can step out of this, right? I, I can do something that I'm passionate about, but more so, you know, do something that helps more than just me, right? And more than just my team, right? It helps my school, it, help, it helps my community and, you know, maybe even the United States or, or the world, right? And just going beyond that and thinking about doing something that has more meaning, that has a deeper meaning and is actually able to help people and help your community, you know, and not just put in a couple volunteer hours, which is helpful, right? But it's not the same thing. Yeah. You know, for example, another thing I did is um, I'm very passionate about mental health, right? Because um, it's a big issue, it's a lot of stigmatization around it and people don't talk about it. And so at my high school, I organized a mental health night, right, where I had people from the community come out and speak out. I had students come and speak about their experiences with it, and therefore we were able to generate a conversation about it and educate people on, you know, the struggles and the differences between, you know, what is mental illness, what's not, how do we deal with it, how do we talk about it, right? Um, and so, you know, that was a, a passion project of mine that I was able to execute because I was willing to step outside of that box of, you know, what's already happening uh, you know, that, that machine of high school. And so I would encourage people to find something that, that they care about. And it might not even need to be your career, right? I don't want to necessarily go into something related to mental health, right? But I was passionate about it and I decided to do something about it. Mm. And so I, I would encourage people who are listening to, to do the same thing, right? Don't go on the box, go on the triangle or the, the hexagon with star, whatever you want it to be, right? <laughs> don't need the box in our lives. <laughs> yeah, if I can pitch in, um, add on to what Lily said a little bit there, um, you know, we're talking a lot about colleges on this podcast, but really uh, high school is a time for self-discovery. And that's one thing that you can see in Lily's story so far, and um, I'm sure in the future too, that high school is a time for self-discovery and you shouldn't stifle that self-discovery because of an application process. You shouldn't sacrifice yourself for the process. And I really like how Lily highlights that. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree with that. And that's not to say you can't find venues too in traditional high school activities. I just encourage you to look outside of those as well, because not everybody fits into that box. Um, you know, yeah. Totally. totally. Lily, did you, did you know what you mentioned? You mentioned some names like Brown. Harvard, did you know you wanted to go to that kind of brand name school? Like, what were you looking for in a school? Um, uh, like, what? How, how did you kind of navigate that process initially? And how did you feel when you were ultimately making the decision to go to Rice? Right. So I I, I looked on uh, Niche a lot, which is a college ranking website, um, these rankings. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and I, I looked at the schools that had the best programs for what I wanted to do. I was just political science, and at the time, it was actually international affairs, Okay. and I, I looked at the colleges that had the best programs, and then I also read through a lot of the reviews and people who had went there, and I, I read ton, tons about them, and I also chose schools where I thought it, I would be a good fit, or I, I felt kind of like, I called the warm fuzzies about the college, uh, where I was reading, and I was like, yeah, like, I feel like I could be at home here, I feel like this would be for me, right? Um, which ironically, I did not feel about Rice. I, I applied to Rice because it was also in Texas. It was the best school in Texas. And I was like, you know, might as well. It's in-state. Maybe there's some benefits, you know. Okay. And it actually wasn't really at the top of my list. Heavily ironic. Um, but I think if I'm being honest with myself, I probably read a lot too much into some of the rankings um, for some of the schools that I applied to because I, 
I think in my mind, and this, I think this is hard to admit for anyone, but I kind of felt like I was the best in that sense and that I deserved to go to the schools, which is probably some entitlement happening there as well, you know, it's just a moment for self-reflection. But I also knew that I wanted something more, right? I didn't just want to go to the University of Texas at Austin or A&M, which is where the, probably other two best schools in Texas where the majority of people go because we have automatic acceptance here in Texas if you're in the top 6% of your class. And I just, I knew that I wanted something more than that, something quote unquote better than that, um, which is why I was looking at a lot of these schools. Also because I did want to get out of Texas because I felt very frustrated with the conservative atmosphere and people always constantly being like, Christianity, it's the best, you should try it. And I was like, I'm good, <laughs> right? And I, I, just, I just got very frustrated with that, which I think also uh, spurred part of my decision too. It's kind of just, I, I think the main thing was really just wanting something more. And I think I may not have known at the time, but now I do is that I kind of attach that quote unquote something more um, to being one of, you know, those Ivy League schools or, or those like, you know, top tier schools, right? Mm-hmm. Instead of really thinking about, you know, what I wanted specifically out of the college. I mean, I wasn't, you know, dumb about it. I, I did think about that in a sense, but not as much as I should have because I attached too much meaning to the brand name of the school because I felt like I deserved it or that that's what I wanted. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people go through that too. Yeah, no, total. So many people go through that. Like, yeah. um, and it's, we, we've talked about this before is that balance between, you know, a healthy excitement or a healthy aspiration for where you want to go to school. And then an unhealthy aspiration where you are putting all the weight into that school where mm-hmm. it will define you. Um, and, and that's not a place that we want to be at either. Um, can you talk a little bit about, you know, uh, Rice, first of all, Rice is an amazing school. I hope you, I hope you feel good about where you're going. Um, and I would love for you to talk about, you know, how did it feel when those other schools didn't work out? We've, we've discussed a little bit of like comparison and how that, that's been a challenge for you. I know it's been a challenge for me as my college decision plans changed. And for Um, me as well. Yeah, right? Like, we're all comparing it, not, like, talking about how we're comparing, which is this really weird thing. Um, can you talk a little bit about, like, what your experience has been with that and, and you know, how you were able to remain authentic and kind of true to yourself and your values throughout this process, particularly in, in making your final choice? Yeah, so I think I definitely struggled with, with getting rejected, um, especially some of the schools I was waitlisted at, which I, I knew was basically a rejection because I did my research, but I, I think I still held on to it a little bit. Um, I, I literally wrote Harvard a love letter. I'm not even kidding. I phrased my essay as a love letter. Nikhil actually read it. It was pretty, I think it was it pretty was, funny. It was, really good. <laughs> it was really good. And, you know, just seeing that, you know, getting on the waitlist at Harvard in itself is an amazing accomplishment. and to see how good her letter was when when I saw her letter, I looked at my letter and I was like, oh, it's gonna be <laughs> that's that's the kind of thing that like no matter how hard you work at something, sometimes it just doesn't work out. And Lily's letter was amazing, her accomplishments are amazing, but um, you know, ultimately it just didn't work out. And but you know, Lily's amazing, an amazing example of how eventually it does end up working out uh, how you need it to. 
And I just want to jump in and say that it all comes back to this idea that where you go to school does not define you, that you will ultimately determine how, how, how that experience turns out. Exactly how you described, Lily, you know, you felt like you were in this kind of like boxed in environment with people who maybe didn't share, respect your same, same beliefs, and yet you still pursued those passions and still express those beliefs um, despite all of that. Um, and so to anyone listening who, you know, maybe you got into your first choice school, great. It's still up to you to make the most of that experience. Maybe you got into the school that I was, was at the very, very bottom of your list and you're going there and everybody else is going to these big name schools that maybe you're aspiring to. Great. You can still make the absolute most of that. Um, and so Lily, I would love for you to talk, you know, maybe a little bit about what what are you looking to get out of your college experience as you leap into this next chapter um and and what what how is this kind of, like what what kind of mindset has this left you in after going through this whole experience i'm sure your your beliefs about it have changed a lot or your mindset around it has changed in some way and so i'd love for you to offer some reflection on that as you go forth um into this into this new chapter in life so yeah so okay i think i'm gonna start off when i when i first got rejected from the school you know like uh, schools like Brown or Tufts, right? <laughs> they were like, sorry, we're not for you. Are you Chicago, right? And I was, I was really struggling with that and really, you know, fighting that sense of re rejection that I had. And then I, I, you know, like I said, I went on social media and I, and I started comparing myself. I looked at U.S. rankings and niche rankings and I was really struggling with that sense of comparison, right? And like, this person is better than me because they got into the school, right? And then so I really had had to distance myself from that and really distance myself from social media to, to get out of that mindset and just kind of take a moment to be like, this is who I am, I should be proud of my accomplishments, this, this doesn't define me. And also that like, you know, regardless of the school that I'm going to, I'm still going to have a lot of different opportunities, right? Regardless of what college you go to, there's so many things to do, there's so many things to get involved in, a lot of them are in cities that have a lot of opportunities. And so I just, you know, really diverted myself to, to focus on that and what I wanted to do with my college experience rather than wasting time on, on like, and comparing my experience to someone else's in the application process and where I didn't get in. And I, I think the most important step for me w was reminding myself that I didn't get accepted here, but that doesn't necessarily mean I wasn't good enough, right? It doesn't make me less as a person. It doesn't decrease my value because they didn't select me, Right. Which, which was really difficult for me to accept because I, I had tied my, my worth to it. Like I said earlier in the acceptance process, it had become my coping mechanism, you know, that I'm going to get out, I'm going to go to Brown. It's going to be great. I don't have to deal with this kind of, you know, stifling anymore. Um, and so I, I really think that helped be separate from them. So I'm going forward. I think I'm just excited to be studying college classes, you know, have all these new subjects, uh, be able to make new friends and really build out those relationships with a population that is, much more diverse than my high school because like I said it's pretty white pretty conservative rural Texas right <laughs> um, and so really stepping outside of um, that box per se and being able to do new things and pursue new opportunities and really just kind of make the most out of life and not only in my studies but you know like go go experience Houston or you know go you know save up money and take a flight to Chicago or California or something like that and, and you know just find places where I can help uh, you know I'm sorry to interrupt. Mama, we're doing a podcast. What is your... <laughs> Great. It's okay. I don't know if I can do that. It's okay. It happens. Hopefully we can cut that out. <laughs> yeah, we can cut that out. Don't worry about no, it. No, this yeah, is not keep... being cut out. Oh, no. <laughs> no. Keeping it real. Oh, my gosh. 
It's probably because my grandparents are visiting right now. She's like, why are you not downstairs? And that's honestly probably what it is. Oh, no. It's okay. needs help with the horses. It's one of the two. We are going to um, go soon then. Um, yes, no, I, I'm, all, I'm almost done. I'm almost done too, but okay. anyways, just like looking, looking at college as, as a next step. Um, and yeah, <laughs> that's, that's basically the summation of it. Yeah. Looking at the next step in a new opportunity, a new journey. Yeah, and yeah. speaking of, you know, that new journey, we're really happy for you as you uh, continue on in your journey. And, you know, the entire point of doing something like this here is to promote dialogue, promote conversation. And, you know, you heard a lot from Lily's story. Um, and you'll hear it from both Morgan and I that really talking about it is what helps you get around you know attaching your worth to um to the process and the decisions and ultimately it's a decision that is so individual that you can't take these kind of things personally and this kind of conversation is what gets you there so um lily's a great example of that and we are so excited for her journey as she continues on to Rice. Um, remind me of what your majors are again. I'm going to double major in political science and economics. Awesome. Awesome. As you can see, clearly a... Um, <laughs> hey! This is awesome, Lily. Um, before we let you go, um, if you could go back and give freshman Lily one piece of advice about high school, you know, and let's do, let's do it this way. Let's do one, one piece of advice about high school and one piece of advice about the college application process. Could you share that with us? I think one piece of advice that I would tell myself about high school is, I know, I feel like I'm becoming a broken record here, but it's outside the box and pursue things that not necessarily everyone else is doing but more importantly to pursue something that's going to help other people mm-hmm. in a meaningful way especially your community and you know trying to start a project or a nonprofit or you know or a human rights organized group right at your school and aim for something that isn't necessarily already being done and something that is helpful to the world around you and then I would say my advice to myself with the college applications is to breathe um, and not let it become such a stressful burden. Also to, you know, not just tell myself, but to actually believe that my value isn't measured enough, that it doesn't determine whether I was good enough or not, right? Um, and I think also to, you know, start earlier and try to be a little bit more thorough in it. Because I think I, I did start in August, but then I kind of took a hiatus because school started and it got crazy. Um, and so I think I would, would tell myself to, you know, just make a little bit of, time for it here and there because that's going to make it a lot less stressful um and also just again to not attach your worth to that and to know that in the end and I, I usually I usually hate the saying because I feel like it's so cliche but like everything's going to work out it's going to be the right choice overall right especially because I'm not <laughs> religious um but to kind of tell myself you know that is kind of how it goes and you just kind of have to have faith in that and have faith in yourself and that no matter no matter where you end up you're going to be able to make the most out of it and still find amazing opportunities and you're definitely going to be making the most out of rice with that double major <laughs> and all of your amazing passions that you have, especially with human rights. 
Thank you, Lily, so much for hopping on. You were an amazing first guest, and we loved having you. Thanks so much, Lily. Thank you so much for sharing your story. Um, where can people connect with you after this podcast? Are you on Instagram? Is there anywhere they can they can connect with you, maybe follow up or ask questions? Yeah, absolutely. So I have a Twitter. It's mainly a Deca Twitter at the moment. Uh, so that's at Lily Sethry. And then my Instagram, which is probably a little bit more easy to access, is lily.sethry. And it's a public account. So can just awesome. go ahead and send me a DM and I'll definitely respond. And also one quick last thing that I do want to say is I talked a lot about uh, getting rejected from other schools and that I wasn't uh, the most excited to rise to begin with. But, you know, once I, I toured the campus and I really, you know, delved more into the school and met people there, I was like, wow, this feels like home. And then I was kind of laughing at myself because I hadn't realized that, you know, the right decision really had been made all along and that I, I love the school that I'm going to and I'm incredibly excited to go there. So, yeah. I am so excited for you, Lily. Thank you so much for adding that note. Um, we are so thrilled to follow you along. And so thank you so much for your time, for sharing your story. I know it's going to impact a lot of people. Um, so thank you. Thanks for keeping it real. We'll, we'll stay in touch and, and thank you for your time. Thanks for having me. And I love what y'all are doing. Hope you keep it up. Thank you very much. Thank you for joining the hopefully soon to be movement. You can uh, get into contact with us at Real College Talk on Instagram and um, for me at Nikhil.vn and for Morgan at Morgs double underscore and. You got it. And with an E at the end. We'll put it in the show notes. Connect with us. Thank you so much for following along. And you know how it goes. Keep it real. We'll talk to you soon.